It's the final Friday of June, unless something can be done to add another day to the month. I am unaware of any campaign to do that, but perhaps there need to be some changes to the way we do some things. So welcome to this 24th day of the fifth interval of what we've come to call the 2022nd year. This is Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast about the built environment that celebrates 400 editions with this installment that arrives 711 days since the first one. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's edition of the program, Charlottesville's budget surplus is increasing with revenues higher than originally budgeted. Charlottesville City Council will make appointments to the Planning Commission in July. You can count on one hand the number of Albemarle residents who voted in the Republican primary for the 7th Congressional District. And changes to Charlottesville area transit routes could soon occur, as soon as more drivers can be hired. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, since the very beginning of this newsletter, one longtime Patreon supporter has used his shout-out to draw your attention to the work of the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives campaign. But today, let's talk about National Pollinator Week, which runs through Sunday, June 26th. There will be many events designed to draw your attention to the crucial role that bees and other creatures play in making sure that plants reproduce. On Saturday at 10 a.m., Scottsville's Center for the Arts and Natural Environment will host Allison Wickham from Siller Pollinator Company. Wickham will lead an introduction to bees and beekeeping. If you're thinking about starting a backyard beehive or are just curious about what's involved with keeping bees, then this is a great introductory class for you. There will even be a honey competition judged by Allison Wickham. For the tuition rate and to register, visit svillartsandnature.org for a list of all of the upcoming classes. There's less than a week until the new fiscal year for Virginia and its local governments. On Monday, Charlottesville City Council got an update from Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers on what can be expected in terms of one-time money in the form of a financial report. And we see that there's a uh, projected $14 million uh, surplus of, uh, for revenue. That's higher than the $13 million projected in April. However, Rogers said that number could change as the city's expenditures have also been down due to various reasons, including COVID. We have uh, a lot of uh, vacancies in, in our budget. Uh, the market has had an impact on our ability to, to hire as rapidly as we need to. Uh, so while 92% of the budget year has passed, we've only spent about 85% of, uh, of our uh, uh, budget expenditures. That's going to result in a surplus. However, Rogers said the actual surplus will not be known until later in the year, after the city's books are closed and reconciled. One of the reasons why there will be a surplus is because of tax rate increases and tax assessment increases. Earlier this year, council voted to increase the real estate tax rate to $0.96 cents per $100 of assessed value. That penny increase applied to the entire calendar year of 2022. Council also opted to keep the personal property tax rate at $4.20 per $100 of assessed value, also contributing to the surplus. 
If you recall, Commissioner of Revenue Todd Divers had recommended reducing that amount due to a sharp increase in the value of used vehicles. The city also will not bring in as much revenue from parks and recreation as originally believed. Chrissy Hamill is the city's senior budget performance analyst. During the budget process, we budgeted for um, the idea that we thought we would be fully operational, and as you know, we're not. Um, and so, therefore, we are not going to make those marks. The city has also closed on its latest sale of municipal bonds, which are used to finance capital projects. The cost of doing so will increase as interest rates go up. We closed with um, about uh, $28 million and at a rate of about 3.07, which is a little bit um, about double what we got last year, but it is indicative of the market and still a very good rate. On Monday, City Council appointed Laura Knott and Sally Duncan to the city's Historic Resources Committee and Deshad Cooper to the Police Civilian Oversight Board. Other appointments included members of the Sister Cities Commission, the Region 10 Board, and the Retirement Commission. However, they did not fill all of the open positions. Here's Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook. Appointments to the Planning Commission have been postponed to the July 18th council meeting. There were a few people we needed to interview. We just didn't have time to do it today, and at least one person was not available. Council will not meet the first week of July. The window to apply for the Planning Commission has closed. There were at least 28 applications for the five seats, including those of sitting commissioners Kareem Habab, Hosea Mitchell, and Rory Stolzenberg. There will be at least two newcomers because Commissioners Tanea Dowell and Jody Lehendro are not eligible for another term. There are three at-large vacancies on the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. Applications for those positions are due on August 5, 2022. That entity's next public meeting is June 27, 2022, and there's no information yet available on their website about that meeting. In fact, there's not been a meeting listed on the CRHA website since January of 2021. Earlier this month, interim Charlottesville City Manager Michael C. Rogers told council of a shortage of building inspectors. On Monday, he said positions are being re-advertised and other solutions are being explored and implemented. I have executed an agreement with the University of Virginia's building official to provide staff capacity uh, to assist us in, in the permitting and inspections uh, uh, process. Uh, they began last, uh, last week. Rogers said that agreement will carry into the fall. Voters in Albemarle's small sliver within Virginia's new 7th Congressional District went to the polls Tuesday in the Republican primary. Eight people in all voted in the six-way race, and half of them selected Derek Anderson. He's the candidate who came in second place overall. There were two votes for State Senator Bryce Reeves, who came in third, and two votes for the winner. Yesley Vega received 10,878 votes and will face incumbent Democrat Abigail Spanberger in November. Albemarle County is otherwise entirely within the new 5th District. listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for two quick shout-outs. Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with data, tech, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. 
Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit codeforseville.org to learn about those projects. The final shout out today comes from another Patreon supporter who wants you to go out and read a local news story written by a local journalist. Whether it be The Daily Progress, Charlottesville Tomorrow, Seville Weekly, NBC 29, CBS 19, The Crozet Gazette, WINA, or some other place I haven't mentioned, the community depends on a network of people writing about the community. Go learn about this place today, wherever you can find out the information. Welcome back to Charlottesville Community Engagement, though, did you ever really leave? Sadly, the audio of some of the meetings I've covered for the past few years is going to decline. Zoom calls provide better audio than in-person ones, and I'm reminded of why we didn't produce audio versions of stories when I was working for Charlottesville tomorrow. The audio quality is too distracting, but I'll risk this one anyway for the podcast. Before the pandemic, Charlottesville Area Transit hired the firm Nelson Nygaard to take a look at its routes to suggest changes to optimize service. The study was done, but nothing has been implemented so far. The Jefferson Area Regional Transit Partnership got an update at their meeting yesterday. Here's Jim Baker of Nelson Nygaard. CAP planned on implementing that system optimization plan last year, but then they've been dealing with driver shortages like just about every other transit agency in the country, so that's been postponed. CAT Director Garland Williams directed Nelson Nygaard to revisit the route changes to identify how they might be phased into service over time, rather than having them all done at once. This would include restoring service to pre-COVID levels, expanding service areas in both Charlottesville and Albemarle, and expanding Saturday and Sunday service. Since the pandemic, CAT has run no service on Sundays. So we felt like that was a pressing need to get some level of Sunday service back on the streets. So we were proposing to get the trolley back on, 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 uh, online. The Route 12, which ran pre-pandemic of the US 29 corridor, and to and to get service down the Avon Street past the cat garage as well for Sunday service. Baker said three routes would see changes as part of the first phase. The center at Belvedere would finally be served by the northbound journey of Route 11. To make up for the time, there will no longer be service on a loop that runs through the Locust Grove neighborhood. Route 2 would be split into two services, with 2A serving 5th Street Station and the Willoughby Shopping Center, and 2B serving Mill Creek in Albemarle County for the first time on its way to Piedmont Virginia Community College. This would also serve Monticello High School. 2A would run for some of Sunday in Phase 1. A second bus would be added to the current Route 6 to improve frequency to 30 minutes. The second phase would make changes to services along the US-29 corridor. Route 7 would be expanded to the Walmart and would travel bi-directionally along Hillsdale Drive and through Seminole Square Shopping Center. Baker said the goal here is to link downtown with Walmart, which is a major shopping and employment destination. Route 5 would no longer travel to the Walmart, but would instead have a northern terminus at Fashion Square Mall. Its new southern terminus would be the UVA Hospital. The Sunday-only Route 12 would be eliminated in favor of Route 7, going seven days a week. The third phase will implement the rest of the changes, 
Here are some of them. Saturday service would be introduced to Route 1. Route 3 would be broken into two routes, with one traveling solely between downtown and Willoughby Shopping Center. A new route, tentatively known as Route 3E, would travel around Belmont and downtown. Route 6 would no longer serve the University of Virginia Hospital via Prospect Avenue. It would be routed along South 1st Street as it travels between downtown and the Willoughby Shopping Center. This would add additional service to Crescent Hall. Route 8 serves Stonefield and would be altered to travel south to the University of Virginia Hospital and down to Willoughby Shopping Center via Prospect Avenue. This service would no longer travel downtown. Route 9 would also no longer serve the UVA Hospital and would instead travel to Fashion Square Mall. Route 10 would be altered to no longer travel on Stony Point Road and instead would travel bi-directionally through the Pantop Shopping Center on its way between downtown Charlottesville and Centara Martha Jefferson. When will the phases be implemented? According to the presentation, that's all going to depend on the hiring of more drivers. Six more drivers are needed for Phase 1, a total of 12 new drivers are needed for Phase 2, and a total of 27 are needed for Phase 3. There's an additional Phase 3 plus that's perhaps not worth detailing at this time because it would need a total of 46 additional drivers. That's a much higher number than six. Here's Garland Williams. Assuming we get the pace carols to be comparable to John and BTS, then we get, our, we get six more drivers. That should not be a monumental feat to get, so which means we'll be able to implement phase one. The jump, though, is getting uh, authorization from the city and the county to fund us to make the additional in, um, resources of adding the 12 or the 27 and funding us to do so. The Regional Transit Partnership meeting was held a couple of hours before a public meeting on the Regional Transit Vision Plan, which is $350,000 in the making. The following illustrates confusion that can come from having planning processes that are not tied to actual logistics. City Councilor Brian Pinkston asked what the proposed CAT changes had to do with that study. Is this sort of like a first step towards that larger vision? Williams said these changes have nothing to do with the Regional Transit Vision Plan. They didn't really copy these routes. We took a whole new approach and said that the state was clean. More on this into the future, as well as coverage of that Regional Transit Vision meeting plan from last night. Just want to say that they are doing another one in person sometime in July. We've got some time to get there. And we have time to plot out how we will do so as well. But that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Ready to get to work on writing about that regional transit vision plan, as well as a parking garage in downtown Charlottesville, all sorts of things. I cover local stuff, which might not seem exciting on a day such as today, but here's the thing, if you don't pay attention to the details at the local level, how can you ever expect changes at the national level or even the state level? How all of these pieces fit together is really important, and it's really important that more people pay attention. I am not here to say what should happen. I will never 
well, I will try my best to never tell you what should happen, except you're welcome to subscribe to Charlottesville Community Engagement if that's what you'd like to do. And of course, it will keep us going. The company Ting will match your first initial payment. Now that that's out the way, seriously, this is Charlottesville Community Engagement. I need to hit send on this so I can get to work on the next one, which will likely come out on Monday morning. But between now and then, we've got the week ahead coming. And then the Government Glance, which is the 5th District Community Engagement Project. Things are going to take a little bit of a slowdown the next couple weeks because looking ahead, uh, there is a slowdown in meetings. City Council does not meet again for almost another month. Neither does the Board of Supervisors in Albemarle County. So I'm going to take a look and see how I can optimize what I'm doing. Uh, I don't have the funding to hire a Nelson Nygaard, so I just basically have to take a few days off and get some strategic planning done myself. I always love to hear from you, so drop a line about how you think this program is going and what you'd like to hear. Uh, I don't have to listen to it, but I probably will take it into consideration. This is a small publication. That's the whole point. It's owned by somebody who works here in this community and has done so for a long time. Uh, I can't tell you about any of those other news organizations, but I can definitely tell you that I am here to report, and that's what I do. And I'll be reporting first thing Monday morning uh, and all that. I'm Sean Tubbs. Thank you very much. Stay out of the blindness of rage. Goodbye. Goodbye.